0: For, 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 all, for, 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 for all things KC. KC, for everything
2: Chiefs. It's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tap.
1: Hey there, everybody! Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City on this Red Friday. I am your host Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, as always, is my co-host Cody Tapp, and producer Nick Schwartz. By the way, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts if you haven't done so already, fellas. Heading into the weekend, how are we feeling?
0: I mean, my vibe check from Wednesday still stands as in I thought we were getting a heavyweight fight and instead we're not um, anywhere close to that. But I do kind of like enjoy watching the Chiefs beat the Broncos for like the 13th consecutive time. Did you somebody put out the lineup uh, the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs? And it was like Jamal Charles was the running back and Alex Smith was the quarterback. And you're like, oh, my God, how long and like. Dexter McCluster had a catch. You're like, oh, no. James O'Shaughnessy was in the game. You're like, this is embarrassing for you. These are names I have not thought about related
2: to the Chiefs in just so long. You know, I'm going to actually give you a vibe check on a Friday, Kayla. Oh, let's go. You know when you don't have much going on on the weekend and one of your friends texts you like, hey, you know, what are you doing this weekend? And then you answer, I don't really have much planned. I got to go run some errands. I got to go by Target. And then I got to you know, go get an oil change in my car, but nothing big. That's that's the vibe for the Chiefs right now. It's like, what do you have going on? Oh, we got to go out to Denver. We're playing this team real quick and then we'll be right back. So <laughs> you have anything? To do? Yeah, I'm, I'm down to get together. Like that's the Chiefs vibe heading into this Bengals game. I don't know how to manufacture excitement for this one.
1: Let's just dive right on into our first topic. The Chiefs Broncos game doesn't have the juice. We thought it would, as you alluded to Nick uh, before the season started. Is there anything interesting that you're going to be watching for on Sunday? I mean, (laughs) anything, anything at all.
0: (laughs) I do want to see. I do want to see how the offense performs against another top defense. I'm not saying I'm not intrigued by that. I want to know now that Sky Moore's not on special teams, that they're not a total train wreck. But I think mostly the most interesting thing, honestly, to watch this Sunday is if the Chiefs can just bounce back after a bitter Cincinnati loss. They and I know that that sounds easier than it is sometimes especially against a bad team, but even Andy in his press conference on Wednesday was noticeably frustrated by the continued Bengals questions. So it was like, "Well, cuz we don't give a shit about the one on Sunday, Andy. The one the Bengals one matters so much more for like your ultimate goals." I know his job is to keep everything micro. Worry about this game, worry about winning this division, worry about the rest of the regular season, and then worry game by game in the playoffs. But for us, we know that Cincinnati is a much bigger part of the problem than whatever happens against Denver. Even if they were to lose Cincinnati is still the much bigger issue on their, on their plate than Denver ever is. So to me, it's how good at the bounce back can you be? They were rolling pretty good. They were beating all the opponents that were worse than them. They got another heavy hitter in the schedule and they lost. All right. You got another dumpster fire of a team. Can you go beat them down? Can you beat them decidedly? They can't score. Can you keep your thumb on them the way you have all this time? That's what I'm
2: looking forward to the most on Sunday. And to that point, to me, it's more about the defense. You are going up against maybe the league's worst offense. And say what you will about the Chiefs defense, but where they've been good is the games where they're supposed to be good. Going up against bad offenses. I know they lost the Colts game, but that was a good defensive performance from the Chiefs. They were great defensively against the Titans. They were really good against the Jaguars. They were good two weeks ago against the Rams. Whenever they've faced a bad offense, they've done their job. Now, I think the game flow has sometimes dictated the fact that the Chiefs haven't necessarily blown all of these bad teams out, but in terms of the defense, they have done their job against every bad offense they've faced. This might be the worst. this offense with Russell Wilson at quarterback might be worse than the Rams offense without Matt Stafford and without Cooper Cup from two weeks ago. It's that bad when you look at some of their offensive statistics in Denver. So do what you're supposed to do and hold them in check, just like every other team that's went up against them has.
0: You know, I'll give you know, I I know that it hasn't been perfect at times with the defense, and it was an easy game to pick on them because it's a Cincinnati, but you know, Cincinnati's a really good team and they still hold them to 27. The Chiefs are up to 15th in points per game allowed defensively. So, I mean, they don't, they don't often get railroaded and you would think again, I mean, I don't know that, honestly, I'm not sure Denver can score against anybody. Like, I don't know that they're capable of scoring against anybody. It's like, I go back in time and I'm like, I can't believe we ever thought Denver might be competitive in this division. Even if you were a pessimist and you were like, well, they're not going to go to the playoffs in year one. Wow, they'll be a lot harder with Russell Wilson. No they won't because they had no plan. Like whatever their plan was, it was misshapen and half-assed and they're like, "Russell figure it out." And you're like, "Well, that that was a bad strategy." Um and it it is backfired massively. I I I'm this is not even hyperbole. Legitimately this Denver team is so bad and their situation is so bad right now. I don't think you can make an argument that if you had to, like Nick, they were going to make you a general manager. Kayla, they were going to make you a general manager at an NFL team. I think if we drafted it, the Denver Broncos would be the very last job you took. <laughs> I'd rather be the general manager of the Texans right now. At least I can take C.J. Stroud and take my chances. If I'm in Jacksonville, at least I have Trevor Lawrence and he's cheap. In Denver, I have no first round pick. Seattle's going to be picking third for me and I have no money. <laughs> What's What kind of situation is that to be in? Does it
1: scare us at all that the Broncos are desperate here? These AFC West games sometimes can get dicey.
0: Nick, I think they're particularly desperate for all the things I just said. Like, (laughs) we're screwed. We better do something. I could explain for his job. The only way he could probably keep his job is if he beats the Chiefs twice.
2: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's weird. The Broncos are playing for nothing this season. And there's really nothing they're playing like you there's no point in tanking. You don't have a first round draft pick, so it's not like you have a shot at the first overall pick. That pick's going to Seattle who might be a playoff team. So there's no I don't know, like players I'm sure are pretty dejected and maybe there's a sense of bottoming out. One thing that's been abundantly clear is that the defense isn't mailing it in in Denver, right? That's still one of the league's best units and Russell Wilson despite what you may think about him, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's just going to pack it in for a season. So I'm sure there is a sense of a hack at coaching for his job. Other players playing for contract extensions or trying to play for free agent money. And for Russell Wilson, like I don't I don't think much of the guy as a player this year, but he's a competitor. I don't think he's going to stop playing. And I'm sure there is a like knowing Russell, like he still wants to prove people wrong. They'll have one good game and then come out and say, you know what? I always believed in this team. It's like, well, you, you, you have four wins on the season. So maybe maybe wait till the offseason for the motivational stuff. So I do think there is a level of what else do you have to play for if you're Denver other than trying to steal? What would be the upset of the season against your divisional rival at home? It'd be pretty impressive to get this upset considering they've only managed to score 20 <laughs> two
0: times. <laughs> 20. Remember, the Chiefs have scored 40, 40 points three times. Denver has scored 20 twice. So <laughs> it's like, oh my God, these are not the same thing.
1: They haven't scored more than 23 in a game all season, and they've been held to just nine points in three of their losses.
2: You know, what's weird about Broncos games is that there have been the fair share of blowouts over this winning streak in this rivalry, but there have also been some really weird ones, 22 to 16, right? Those types of games, 19 to nine type games, It feels like there are, it's either going to be really ugly, slug it out, grind it out type win or 48 to 16 type win. And I honestly, I feel like it could go either way (laughs) with how the Broncos have been playing.
1: I'm right there with you, which we'll get to predictions later on in the show. Uh, One quick tidbit, very quickly. Uh, Last week, Russell Wilson had one of his best games as a Bronco. He was 17 of 22 for 189 yards. 8.6 8.6 yards per attempt, 102 rating. That's like no the picks, losers, no stuff touchdowns. Like, it's like wait, when Daniel
0: Jones was like, like maybe Daniel Jones could be the goods guys. He didn't throw a pick and he completed. Wait a minute. The wait season. a minute.
2: Wait a minute. Did you just read that stat line after saying that's one of his best <laughs> games of the year? That's
1: That's what they said. It's one of, this was one of his <laughs> best games. Has Mahomes ever had that stat ever? Like that would
0: be his
2: hmm. worst game.
1: Yes, that would be his. I don't think he's ever had that
0: again. Remember, another thing to watch in this game before we move on to the next topic. Will Russell Wilson get any closer to the number of passing touchdowns he has compared to his bathrooms? Can you refresh us on that? Oh, he has he has eight passing touchdowns on the season. He has 12 bathrooms in his house. Someone has been diligently tracking this all year long. Will (laughs) he catch passing touchdowns
2: with the number of bathrooms in his house? Do you think he has used all 12 bathrooms since moving into that house? Like,
0: there's <laughs> Which, be wouldn't a- you? I feel like no. I would just
2: circle through. I, I'd no. want to try them all once. No, like if there's, there's always that. if you like in your parents' house, like my parents, we had like three bathrooms and there's always that one in the basement that nobody ever uses. Like I'd imagine if you have 12 bathrooms, you're only using four of them routinely. In fairness, there are four in my house. That makes me sound crimped. I don't know why I have so many bathrooms. But
0: okay, humble. My bag. house. Hold on. My house is not that big. It just. well feel like whatever. 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 <laughs> damn it! I knew that was going to sound bad the second I said it. But there is one. The one in the basement hardly ever gets used.
2: Actually, you the basement. Okay, I don't. I'm sorry for. We're like, gonna go down a road we don't want to. Yeah, I know, later. but I'm, I'll, I'll keep it quick. <laughs> the, the bathroom in your basement is almost. It's funny because of how close <laughs> the toilet is to the wall. It's like That's so. Nick's
1: use his bathroom.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're tight. Well, it's the one in the basement. So when he came over to play poker, Kayla, it's you know, it's it's the closest one. Okay, we'll go with the closest one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Back to Russ. Is there any? Should he be doing something besides cooking? I know I can't cook. I should. Find a new hobby. Maybe he needs to move on from cooking since that hasn't worked well
0: for him. Look, I don't I don't know that uh, they're ever going to convince him to change now. That was the whole reason he won it out of Seattle. They gave him everything. Like there was a reporter on our station earlier this week who was like, he's got his own office there. And all of his people work out of that office. He almost operates as like a separate entity. They tried to design the offense around this like makeshift, like makeshift, like child drawing he had made of an offense that included like three different disciplines, none of which are cohesive together. So, I I mean, I think it would take years of playing this bad
2: for Russ to change at this rate. Yeah, kitchen's closed. Kitchen's closed in Denver. Kitchen's closed. Oh, that's the headline. If the Chiefs win, kitchen's closed.
1: (laughs) You heard it here first. Nick, you need to make sure no one steals that. Um, guys, Isaiah Pacheco has really settled into the number one running back role in Clyde's absence. He is averaging 81 yards and 4.8 yards per carry over the last month. What kind of role do we think that Clyde will have whenever he does return to the field?
0: I hope and I, and I say this knowing that, again, I don't think that Clyde has no talent or can't work with a certain team. I hope for this team, he has no role. I know that sounds like I'm being negative, but the problem is in the system he's currently in. It works better when it's just the two of them. Can't we all see it? Like this is one of those eye test things. When you watch, when it's just Pacheco and McKinnon, it works better than it's Pacheco, McKinnon, and Clyde. Clyde gums up the works. He doesn't, they're not like a perfect complement to each other. It makes everything out of sync. They have to find ways to use Pacheco, which is what happened when they made him the starter kind of de facto, is essentially they were admitting they weren't getting to Pacheco as fast as they should. So to me, it's like, just put Clyde in that role. And if it's like, oh, we forgot to use Clyde today, no one cares. We won't miss it, and it's fine. But don't, do not force a role for him when he comes back, because clearly this is the best the running games looked all year. It'd be a shame to move off of Pacheco and McKinnon as the duo that works the best and shift it back over to Clyde.
2: Yeah, I mean, what role will he have when he returns? The role he had when he got injured, which was basically nothing. He had 87 yards rushing in the five games before the Chargers game when he got injured. So he was a backup running back even when he was healthy. We see this happen all the time in the NFL, all the time. and It happens a lot to quarterbacks, right? One guy is not performing well, gets injured, backup comes in, and by the time that guy gets healthy, he doesn't have a job anymore. It's I mean, it sucks that the way that's the way it works sometimes, but the reality is, and I hate to say this about a guy who's currently injured, but the reality is it shouldn't have taken the injury for Clyde to lose a role on this offense, because as good as he looked at the beginning of the year and we even talked about it, remember the first couple of weeks, Clyde was running really strong and he had a burst and he was sort of explosive in a way that we hadn't seen in a couple of years. And then you go back to the off season and he was talking about it was his first full off season of not being injured and not having to rehab through something. You're like, maybe this is it. Or, or maybe it was the fact that he hadn't been hit by anybody in seven months. And that's why he looked explosive. And that's when everybody looks explosive. Like the first two weeks of the seasons when everybody looks healthy because they haven't been getting into car wrecks every single Sunday. But then all of a sudden the wear and tear of the season brought Clyde right back to kind of where he had been, which was you're a fine back you'll probably get another contract and and be a backup and be a journeyman running back in the NFL. But the idea that you're ever going to be a lead back on the chiefs or frankly, any offense in the NFL again, is probably a little bit unrealistic. This is kind of the role he's, he's kind of going to be slotted for the rest of his career, which is nice change of pace back. You can do a few things for you, but you can't really rely upon him to have a major role in your offense.
0: I know we all have different standards for things, but for me, if you get hurt and miss multiple games in three consecutive years, I think it's more than fair to slap injury prone on you. If you're injury prone, then we can't count on you. You can't stay. You, you can't even like forget the rest of it, like that it doesn't look good when he plays. He very simply can't be on the field. He can't stay on the field. He has missed significant time for three consecutive years. He's an injury prone running back. Like the same as like people were talking about that with Jarek McKinnon, when Clyde hits the free agency market and someone eventually gives him a deal because they will, because he's a former first round pick. The first thing they should ask themselves is, can this guy stay healthy? Can we keep him healthy? Can we keep him on the field? Because there are times when Clyde does look viable when healthy, when on the field, but his body always fails. him. That's the worst thing to see happen to football players. Cause then you just don't know. You're like, are they really not good? Or they simply just can't stay healthy. Like, you know, I, I worry a little bit about it with like Kadarius Tony sometimes because he's had injury trouble early on in his career. Now, he's only in year two, so we don't have to just slap him with your injury prone and you can't stay on the field yet. But with Clyde, because it's three years in, I mean, I don't even know if either of you guys could argue at this point. We have to say he's injury prone, don't we?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's I don't I'm not enough of a medical expert i'm a bit of a medical expert but not enough of one to know <laughs> the difference between like being injury prone and just being someone who gets injured like to me when i think of injury prone it's like the same injury over and over again right like you have sure. a joint in your body that just will not withstand playing in the nfl and with clyde it's been a lot of different things and he plays in a, a position that's more prone to getting injured naturally right because of the beating that running backs take so I don't know if he's injury prone. I just know that he's been injured a lot. And for somebody who's been injured a lot, to your point, Cody, whether he's injury prone or not, I just like, I would never take a bet that he's going to make it through a full season. I would never make a bet that you can go into a year thinking that like, yeah, this guy's going to be healthy and he's going to give you 14 games. He could be back, right?
0: If he were to miss the rest of the season for whatever reason, if he did that, then he would have missed 17 games in his first three years, a full season. Like if he missed the rest of the year in the regular season, he'll miss a full season in three years. Like, that's too much time off the field to find the rhythm with all these guys. Mahomes has rhythm with Pacheco. He has it with McKinnon. He doesn't have it with. He doesn't have it with Clyde.
1: Well, to Nick's point, when he comes back and plays explosive, if we do see him back this season and if that does happen, then what?
0: Again, I just hope he doesn't. I don't think that they'll use him in a way that you'll ever know, Kayla. I just don't think he'll ever get the chance. Not this year. Not with this team. You can make a strong argument they should cut him in the offseason. They can save two point two million dollars, three and a half million, which is what he's slated to make because he was a first round pick. Would make him like the twelfth highest running back in the NFL. That's too much. It's too much for a guy you don't use. You can save that money, and two point two million dollars will buy you fifteen running backs in the NFL. Doesn't you know? Like that's a lot of money in the running back spend department.
1: All right, we're going to move on, guys. Juju has been quiet since suffering a concussion in week ten. Should we expect him to get back to his form from earlier in the season? Remember, he did a back-to-back 100-yard games pre-concussion. I miss, I miss old
0: Juju. I hope that it's just he's kind of leaning back into the role. I know we talked about like whether or not they miss um, McColl Hardman, and I think they do a little bit. But I think for him, it has to be some of the coming off of injury stuff, but I assume he'll find the form again. It was a concussion. It wasn't a hamstring or a knee or a shoulder even if it takes him a little bit of time to kind of get back into rhythm, you would think that he's going to come back to his form at some point, but his lack of emergence during this time probably speaks directly to the thing we'd mentioned on Wednesday's pod, which is the chiefs haven't scored 30, but once in the last five games, they're averaging 25 points per game over the last five. They are a 30 point number one scoring offense in the NFL. And really over the course of that time in which Juju is valued less for their team, they have struggled a little bit more, but I think it'll come back. It's not that he's been a non-factor. He's just been in that 30, 40-yard range. I think they want to see him back on that like 60, 70, 80-yard range again.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. We talked to Danon Hughes, uh, former Chiefs wide receiver. He's now the color guy for the Chiefs radio network on Thursday. And he was talking about missing Nicole and missing Kadarius Toney and how they stretch the field for you horizontally. And that's what the Chiefs do. They just they expand the field in both ways, right? Like they are going to expand it horizontally. They're going to expand it vertically and it makes it incredibly difficult to defend because you can't just key in on one thing. I think what we've seen the last couple of weeks is the field shrink a little bit in both ways because you don't have Juju who's not necessarily a vertical threat, but like he is your Travis Kelsey mini me, right? Like he is basically a small tight end who's going to go across the middle and make plays because he's a big, strong Physical receiver. Well, if you're a big, strong physical receiver, one thing that you need to be able to do is be physical. And I'm sure it's not easy being physical coming back from a concussion and maybe not being able to go a hundred percent like you're used to being able to do. So I think for him, it's just about getting healthy. And I, you know, this, like we know, aside from Travis Kelsey in a crunch time situation, Juju is going to be the guy that Mahomes trusts. So I don't know if it's coming this week because of what Denver does defensively. But if you made me pick by the end of the year, like, is this going to be the juju we get, or is it going to be closer to the one we saw mid season? I would guess it's going to be closer to that one because I know one thing this offense is going to keep throwing the ball and Mahomes is going to keep putting up numbers. And somebody has to be on the receiving end of that. He aside from Kelsey is the guy I would put my money on. Especially when they get healthy again,
0: the whole offense and the reason why it was the number one scoring offense was predicated on the idea that there were 10 guys to throw to. Mm -hmm. Right now, there have been less you haven't been able to throw to McCall Hardman because he hasn't been there. You haven't been able to throw to Kadarius Tony because he hasn't been in there. You know, like that's just when when you take a few of their pieces away, then Juju becomes more of a guy that they can stop. And the number one corner is going to Juju, no matter what, because nobody puts a corner on Travis Kelsey. That's a losing effort. It's too big, too strong. And even he, as we saw in the Jalen Ramsey effort, can make corners look very bad with his route running skills. So it's just not that's not the guy who usually ends up on them. So number one corners are ending up on Juju a lot, too. And when those stretch guys, Nick, that you mentioned, when they're gone, taking guys out of the way, that makes it harder, too. But also this like unless you are Justin Jefferson or recently hella Amon Ross, St. Brown, Unless you're one of those top 10, 15 wide receivers in the NFL, you don't just consistently show up and get 80 or 90 yards. You go through stretches like this that are 35 to 45 yards. And then you go through stretches where you're 100 to 110. There's a reason why you're available for one year and $10 million and why other guys are getting $30 million a year. You are going to be inconsistent. Like, that's why they have Kelsey. Kelsey is the guy to be consistent. Juju has a couple of quiet games. I assume he'll come back around.
1: Unrelated. Are we getting Tony back this weekend?
0: Practice? Well, he practiced two days in a row. Um, I think this is going to end up being the Trent McDuffie injury, which is they're going to let him practice all week. And then on Saturday, they're going to say he's not playing. He's not going to play in this game. And then they're just going (laughs) to wait an extra week. And because that's what they did. They, They gave McDuffie two weeks, actually. But they have made it um, to anybody you talk to, like who covers the Chiefs and is really in the know, people he talks to, like inside the organization, guys like Nate Taylor. They have made it very clear that they think Tony now can play a role in the playoffs and they're not going to screw that up by playing him too early now. Right. Rushing him back. Especially
1: when we've got Denver. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Rushing him back for a game against Denver and the Texans seems unnecessary. Right. Those are the next two weeks. You want to work him in for 15 snaps against Houston. Okay. That's a little light work. That's like a joint practice at training camp. But it's just like, don't there isn't a reason to rush him back, especially because the McCall Hardman injury is still a complete mystery to us, isn't it? was it an abdominal illness
2: or injury. And what kind of either of those things keeps you out for a month?
1: Yeah, what's up with
2: that? Well, he tweeted somebody asked him, when are you coming back? And he tweeted soon with an emoji. So that's pretty declarative.
0: (laughs) Did somebody ask him what the hell was going on? Like, did he lose an appendix? (laughs) <laughs> like I'm dead serious.
1: That's like it, been happening a lot. I feel like there's a lot of people in their twenties and thirties getting appendicitis.
0: Oh, this is, this is important. Quick, quick appendix check. How many people <laughs> on this pod still have their appendix? I do. Still have. I it. do. Wow. Wow. Oh, us.
1: I just feel like I've heard a lot of that happening lately. Maybe you it was appendicitis. Do
0: a, you guys want to do a pool? Like we each put 50 bucks in and whoever <laughs> loses their appendix gets oh, no. the money.
2: I mean, this could be a really, really lengthy bet.
1: I hope that doesn't happen. That can be really dangerous. It can poison your body.
2: Yeah, dude. Cody, what the hell? Don't try to make light of a serious ailment. <laughs> I mean, we've got medical modern
0: science. I think it'll be fine. Now be I'm, fine I'm Googling yes. how many people in their 30s lose their appendix. So just give me a minute. That's kind of important. You're
1: going to freak me out. I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> oh, I'm see. I'm I not MD everything.
0: I can look this up and be like, well, probably won't be me. So it's it's fine. I don't you know, I know that everybody does it a little bit or has it a little bit different. But uh, one in 20 people in the U.S. will get appendicitis at some point, but most likely to affect people in between the ages of 10 and 30. So (gasps) let's go down significantly. We might have already done this.
1: OK. That was close.
0: But if you have loss of appetite or pain in your lower belly, (laughs) be prepared.
1: (laughs) Bet you didn't know you were getting medical advice on this podcast. huh? We like All to right, you guys
0: right
1: <laughs> still a mystery on on McCall. Uh, Trent McDuffie was stellar versus Cincinnati. Jamar Chase had just one catch for eight yards with McDuffie on him on Sunday. What is our trust level for McDuffie at this point in his rookie season?
0: I'd like to personally thank Trent McDuffie for <laughs> making me look smart uh, when a month ago I said Trent McDuffie by the end of the season would be the Chiefs best cover corner. Didn't even have to make it to week 15. He's already their best cover corner. The lock. Matter of fact, the way he did against Jamar Chase, his first real test, the sit the, you know, and it's not just Jamar Chase, it's every wide receiver you would have to face against Cincinnati. They left him alone. They could have picked on anybody on that team, it seemed like, except McDuffie. Only allowed one catch, only for the eight yards. Jamar Chase made a great catch over the top of his head. He's out of bounds. All of those things is he is consistently directly next to his. Receiver every time. Every time they throw at him, McDuffie's not like at a scene or five yards back or 10 yards back. Even the catch that he allowed, the one we talked about, like it was it was nothing. He gave him the space. And he was pass interfered by Jamar Chase. And the one time it got called, the only time he wasn't right next to his defender, it called called offensive pass interference. I think it's pretty clear that like we talked about with Loftus, he passed he he passed the test. Trip McDuffie's a starting NFL corner. has a chance to be great he's but he's very good already so i i feel great they actually have a corner that they can put on a number one wide receiver in a playoff game what's
2: not to like i keep just waiting for him to look like a rookie like at some (laughs) point for a guy who not only was injured right he's only played basically half of the season missed about a month and a half But he came into the NFL with like concerns about his game. Not that he was a bad player. That was the reason why the Chiefs drafted him. High IQ, right? Just really good technical player, but that he's undersized. And in the NFL, in order to be a shutdown corner or a number one corner, typically you have to have size to go up against the the elite wide receivers in the NFL, most of whom are physical freaks. He was not a physical freak coming into the NFL. And you sort of thought, okay, well, that's something that will get exposed right away. That's something that quarterbacks are going to test right? They're going to pick on you a little bit when they think there are mismatches out there, and they're going to sort of exploit you. And even if you thought Trip McDuffie was going to be good eventually for someone who is undersized and doesn't have all of these incredible physical traits, you thought that there would be some sort of a learning curve. Where's the learning curve, guys? Like I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the one game or the one moment where you say, Oh, there. Yep. See, that's a rookie. Okay. Yep. See, okay. Welcome to the NFL rook. Like he's still got a ways to go.
0: No, you see that with Williams. You see that with Watson. You see that with the other corners, but I haven't watched McDuffie do it.
2: No. And I don't know, like when we get to the point of saying like, okay, this guy's for real, it'll probably be the playoffs because I don't think he's going to be tested Like against an elite offense. I guess if he does get picked on by the Broncos or the Texans, then that would DK Metcalf, yeah. Yeah, then that would be sort of one of those moments. But you won't face a more talented team in terms of receivers than you just saw in Cincinnati. And he more than held his own, not just against Jamar Chase, but there was the time when they tried to test him against T. Higgins, who talk about an advantage, a physical advantage. Like T. Higgins has massive size advantage over him and he made the play. So he just keeps passing every test.
0: At some point, someone's going to jump over his head and catch a pass. And I'm not going to spend my time, I'm not going to waste my time saying, well, if he were two inches taller, maybe he makes that play because he'll be in the play. Like that, that always stands out to me about corners. Like we'll watch, like credit to Joshua Williams, who gave up the game-winning catch to T. Higgins. He was in his hip pocket too. He didn't get blown off the ball. He had really good coverage on T. Higgins. It was just an even better pass by Joe Burrow. But you see times where like Williams is beat, Watson's beat. Last year against Jamar Chase, do you remember how many times they threw it at Charverius Ward? He just threw it up in the air against Ward over and over, over and over, over and over again. And Ward is a quality NFL corner. They had the size advantage on Trent McDuffie. All big, tall, physical wide receivers like Higgins and Jamar Chase do. They still didn't throw at him. They decided to pick on the safeties or the middle of the field. They, teams throw at LeJarious Sneed more than they throw at McDuffie. Like, just that alone, to me, always stands out. You're right, Nick. I guess I keep expecting maybe one of these times someone will expose him, but I'm not so... It's not happening in the next five games, so we're, we are going to have to win.
2: Because if he does get exposed to the next five games, it will be, like, <laughs> double exposure. Yeah.
1: I would just like the records to show that I am not looking for McDuffie to have a rookie moment because that's just how good we are at drafting.
0: You know, at corners, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Nobody drafts... Honestly, I've got questions about Brett Beach's ability to draft defensive ends, a pretty critical position. His ability to draft wide receivers, a pretty critical position. I have absolutely zero questions about his ability to draft a corner. He's fine, so it's just fine. That that has been aces. Doesn't matter if they're undrafted, seventh rounder, fourth rounder, or first. They all play.
1: Well, Fellas, we made fun of this game earlier, but the Broncos have the best defense in the AFC, They're third best in the league. Do you expect them to keep the Chiefs offense in check on Sunday? And here's a few numbers before you answer. They are third in rate. Their pass defense is third in rate, first in yards per attempt. Their defense as a whole is second in points per game, third in yards per game. And the Broncos pass rush, pass rush that's a tricky one, has 30 total sacks.
0: So the sack total is the only thing that's not impressive about their defense because the Chiefs defense has more than that. But right. they, they don't give up an inch. They don't give up anything in the air. They give up less than 200 yards passing per game. So weirdly enough, it's funny to make fun of them, but I kind of expect the game to finish close. I don't think they'll win. I'll tell you why when we do the predictions. I don't think they'll win but how can I not think this game is close? Have you looked at the final scores of every single different Broncos game this year? <laughs> They're all close because their defense is really good and their offense never gives them a chance to win. They're all within four, five, six points. Every team's inside. The Broncos are inside a touchdown of every team because they make some hideous 10, first half. They grind out some 10, six, 10, nine situation until eventually you put it away with a touchdown. So Yeah, I hate to say it because the Chiefs' offense has been able to overcome a lot, a lot of top defenses. But it feels like the Denver hasn't budged against anybody
2: yet. I look. I think this is going (laughs) to be a game. I don't want to spoil my prediction, but I look at what the Denver, the Broncos' defense, like. That's what's so shocking about their record is that, like any other offense any other offense in the nfl with that defense would be a playoff team not a good team a playoff team the broncos not only are not a playoff team they're not a good team they're not an okay team they're like the worst team so like when i look at their defensive numbers all it does is lead me back to the offense all it does is lead me back to the how the hell can a defense who doesn't let anybody score 20 points they've only let one team score more than twenty-four points all year long? No three-hundred-yard passers, like all the stats. Nine passing touchdowns in twelve games—that's what the Denver defense has allowed. Like it's absurd, and yet still they can't manufacture four measly wins on the season. So I—I I, I expect at this point, I have to expect that they're going to keep doing what they do, right? Like they're going to muck this game up and make it really tough on the Chiefs' offense.
0: You know what makes it extra impressive about their defense? this won't surprise you because of the thing you just said about the offense. Nobody punts the ball more than Denver. So they give it to the opposing offense more like the offense, oh. gets the ball more Denver does nothing but punt it back to the offense that they continuously stop. Interesting like, point. Like they have to constantly stop the other team and they still don't let up. Like no team gets more possessions. No one has to guard more than the Denver defense. Their offense just constantly gives it back to the opposing team. And it, Doesn't matter. Their defense is great. They have honestly, it's the best defense in the NFL. I think I think it's the best defense in the NFL. Points per game wise, it's like second. But again, that's because the offense does them literally zero favors. It does not help them in any way. It doesn't create a positive, it's not good at getting them a better field position. It's not good at getting points so they're off the field. It doesn't hold on to the ball so that they don't have to punt and then guard again. It's bad at all of those things. But Denver plays. Close games. They're bad because they're so bad on one side of the ball. It's it, you can't ignore it, but they play close games. So they got that going for them. And I'm not sure I can think that it's going to go another way this weekend.
1: Are we ready for our game predictions and player of the game?
2: Heck yeah.
1: Heck yeah. We've got Never heck been yeah. more ready. <laughs> well, Nick, do you want to go first?
2: Yeah, so I think I've kind of been alluding to it. I think this is going to be an ugly game. Oh. Yeah, I think the, the Broncos have allowed more than 30 points, or excuse me, one time, more than 24 points. One time that was against the Raiders back in week four. They have yet to allow a 300-yard passer. So at the very least, I don't think the Chiefs are going for like 35 to 40 points in this game. I think 27 probably wins you the game comfortably, but how tough is it going to be to get to 27? The Chiefs offense actually was good last week. They just didn't come up with points because of the miscues that we've talked about ad nauseum. So I think it's going to be one of those games kind of like the Rams where you're winning comfortably the whole time. The other team doesn't really have a shot in the game, but yet you're still sort of sitting on the edge of your couch in the fourth quarter saying like, will you just, just put this game away. You get like, we make it a 14 point lead. So we don't have to worry about this at all. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this is going to be sort of like a, a seven to 10 point advantage where the Broncos aren't moving the ball. You put a couple touchdowns on the board and then they're just trying to manufacture points the rest of the way. So I am going to say final score 24 to 13. Oh. I'll give the Chiefs the cover and i'll say player of the game let me go with chris jones that was mine No, nope, nope that's why i beat you to it that's why i get that's why go <laughs> I get mine to it every week uh, dude, he i had, thought you were gonna pick someone else he had his worst game of the year last week right i don't think he registered a single pressure all game i don't think it was honestly that bad of a game it was just that The Bengals were uh, putting all of their attention on him. So I think he gets back and uh, gets after Russ in this one. So I'll say like one and a half sacks for Chris Jones. That's your player of the game.
0: I think it's even worse than you described. I think it's 20 to 14. I just assume this game will be hideous to watch. I know we talked about how the Chiefs just play bangers. And they've been grading its number one defenses But until somebody actually proves they can put up real points against Denver, I'm not going to assume that even the best offense in the NFL, which is what the Chiefs are, will do that. I think that they will have that margin, Nick, like that 20 to 14. It won't be like it's a one possession game the whole time. Denver will find some way to scrape points across because it's a divisional opponent and it's their last gasp. It's their only chance to have anything to smile about for the rest of this calendar year. So they will give it their all. But they're still coming up short but we just talked about McDuffie. So he's going to be my player of the game. McDuffie gets a pick. Chiefs win 20 to 14. And we move on to them playing the worst team in the NFL next week in the Texans.
1: Okay. So how many points did you give the Broncos?
2: 14. And Nick, uh,
1: Nick, you gave them
2: 13. Oh,
1: I'm all over the map with my picks. I can't decide. I feel like it's, I don't feel like we're giving the chiefs enough points.
0: Okay, so I'm how high do you go,
1: think they're going to go? Well, in one of mine, I have thirty one seventeen, and the other one, I have twenty seven fourteen. There's no rhyme or reason. I can't decide.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: I'll go twenty seven fourteen. I just feel like we can do better than that.
0: Well, that would be the most points that they put up on this defense. Honestly, putting up twenty seven against Denver's defense would be impressive.
1: Okay, oh, yeah. we'll go. We'll go twenty seven fourteen.
0: You'd have to feel good. Well, who's your stars? Is it Chris Jones? Or are you going to take? Well, I had run? Chris Jones. Oh.
1: I think he. I think he goes from ten sacks to twelve sacks.
0: Ooh. Oh, wow. Wow. Getting giving, she him, Chris Jones now. Sorry, giving she him too two. strong. She um, went too strong, Nick. <laughs> you and got then, you someone else.
1: But to to be different, I'll go Juju back on track. Big game.
2: Yeah, I mean, if they're going to score 27, then there has to be a standout performance from somebody on offense against that defense.
1: I can just see Chris Jones annihilating this
0: offense. I would look, I look forward to it. Honest, isn't that the best part about like, is, like, no, here's what's funny about like them being the early part of the episode, just to wrap this up, is early episode when I was like, oh, I don't know that there's a single NFL franchise that you would rather you at least like to be a GM for right now than if you had to take over the Denver Broncos situation. And no one feels bad for them. You know why? It has been smooth sailing for the Denver Broncos for so long. Like they had just an unprecedented run of happiness. So for the last four years when it's gone poorly and it's gone from bad to worse, no one feels bad for you. Like no one's going to feel bad for the Packers if they went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and then irrelevant. It's fine. When the franchises that won a bunch start losing, it's nice because the Chiefs were in the opposite situation for a very long time. Yes. It's
2: our turn. I do like, by the way, like when I when you travel and you wear Chiefs gear and then you talk to people from other cities and there's like, (laughs) well, the Chiefs they always win. I'm like, dude, (laughs) where were you from? Like my birth until five years ago because it's not quite as sunshine and roses as you seem to think it has been. I mean, it's not like being a Royals fan, but it's not. It wasn't great for a while.
1: (laughs) We have earned all of the last five years.
2: We put in our work. We earned it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hashtag earned it. Okay.
1: All right. And on that note, this is it's always game day in Kansas City. That is Cody Tap. He is Nick Short. I am Kayla Canarum. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back with you all on Monday for live game reaction and more. Have a great weekend, everybody.